Everyone, welcome to Podcast Legends, where we talk to the legends of podcasting. And uh, today is a absolutely fantastic day. I have Dave Slusher on the uh, on the line with me. We're going to talk about his uh, his contributions to podcasting. Dave, uh, it's very early here, and it's still good morning for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Todd. I uh, I'm delighted to be on. Well, I tell you, you know, um, after talking with uh, Michael Butler of Rock and Roll Geek Show about a month ago and uh you know he was talking about all the things you and him had done in in the podcasting space you know you've got a pretty uh, significant role in in the whole kickoff of, of podcasting and matter of fact uh you're even uh mentioned the wikipedia piece about uh you know being one of the very very early evangelists of of podcasting but i think without uh, really any delay and I, I guess what we should do is First of all, let's introduce you to the audience. Let's uh, let's get a little four one one on you. Why don't you tell everybody who, what, and where? All right, I'm Dave Slusher. Um, as you said, uh, I did one of the very early podcasts, which is the Evil Genius Chronicles. Uh, which at this point, I actually completely uh, forgot to celebrate my twelve year anniversary, but that happened uh, about a month ago. Wow. And uh, yeah, I'm a developer by trade, a software developer. I'm actually a developer evangelist now for a company called ServiceNow. Um, and you know, I'm I, like I came to podcasting from a bunch of skill sets that I had just um, kind of ad hoc uh, fallen ass backwards into. You know, I was a science fiction fan, and then uh, I was in college radio, and uh, I combined those um, those pursuits to uh, where at one point I did a syndicated uh, radio show that was where I interviewed science fiction writers. And so there's kind of this uh, through line, you know, from, and even before that, when I was 15 years old, actually I worked at an AM station out in Western Kansas, <laughs> you know? So I was a teen, that was my high school job was as a disc jockey actually. So uh, there's almost this uh, unbroken, you know, 35 year through line of, you know, radio through, uh, you know, commercial radio through uh, college radio, through syndicated radio into podcasting. So it's, uh, it's been uh, an interesting interesting journey well i i'm a, i'm a little bit sad this morning because i thought for a while that i had the longest continuous running podcast but it by you've got me beat by a month and a half so when did you start your start your you started and then in september sometime of 04 oh, right or it was actually august i want to say august 21st something like that i have i would have to look at i never remember the exact day but it's it was the day that adam curry started the daily source code i started the next day Wow. And uh, sadly, uh, there's somebody that's got Steve Gilmore has me beat. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought I had the longest one, but I forgot. I didn't realize he, uh, the Gilmore gang was still running. So that was uh, actually Doug K was publishing that as a podcast on IT conversations before either Adam or I started. So really, Steve Gilmore, although I don't think he gets the credit, Steve Gilmore has the longest running podcast. Well, that's that's good to know. So that's you know that's the kind of stuff that we uh, look to dig out in these show in this show. So, but <laughs> although I have I've many times said I had the longest running podcast, and I it, you know it's it's close enough for rock and roll. It's not quite technically correct. Right. Steve, Steve really does have me beat, but so there, there's something uh, a little less compelling about saying you have the second longest running. It just doesn't doesn't have that ring to it. <laughs> so so you heard Adam Curry. So let, what's let's. Let's talk about the genesis then of Evil Genius Chronicles. Far, you know, you heard Curry on Daily Source Code, and you were like, "Oh my God, I got to do this." Was that just the emphasis of it? Well, there was a, there was this confluence of uh, of events. 
I had just moved into this house uh, like three or four days before that he went live. So I was already um, like I already followed his weblog. So, you know, I had been reading his weblog, like where he would tell his MTV stories, and, like his story of meeting Prince and things like that. I had been following that weblog for some time. And so, uh, you know, I saw on his blog when he was talking about these experiments with podcasting, you know, and he, and he actually uh, wrote the first uh, I, I don't know if it was the very first, but let's say one of the first uh, pod catchers. Right. Yeah. He, he had this crazy Apple script thing yep. that, uh, you know, that. I was like, all right, well, <laughs> sure, I'll try that. So, so I was kind of following along with his experiments. Now, at the same time, like I said, I had done this uh, syndicated radio show in the mid '90s, and uh, at one point, I had to move the production to where uh, you know I moved away from the station that was my flagship station. So I needed to be able to produce it out of my house. So I had to, you know, I had the the set of equipment that would require, you know, that would be required for that. So I had a mixer and I had some, you know, reasonable mics and and all that stuff. And as it happened. Uh, you know, I was uh, had just moved to this house. There are boxes everywhere, but the boxes with my radio stuff were on, on top in my office. <laughs> and so Adam Curry starts, and I'm like, well, hell, I see the box right there that has all my radio stuff in it. I'll bet I could hook it up and I could do pretty much the same thing. And uh, that is more or less what I did. You know, I think the very first show was just me talking into the built in mic on my. Uh, my laptop, and then within you know a couple days, I had set set everything back up and had uh, you know what was more or less my rig for you know years. <laughs> I basically had effectively the same rig for years and years. So it, it's amazing how many of us really got our our push off by listening to Daily Source Code. I, you know, I and to be honest with you, I do not remember how I found. Adam's site and, and you know I was kind of uh, out and about overseas a lot so I really wasn't even a I didn't have much uh, knowledge on Adam Curry and maybe just a little bit so I really I don't even remember how I ended up on his site but uh, I sure do remember getting the bug and, and just like you saying man I can do this and I, I actually had to drive to Walmart and buy a <laughs> a lab tech fourteen ninety five dollar headset, uh, or actually microphone. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even uh, wasn't even a headset, but uh, it was amazing how we all got the bugs so earlier. So, so then how you know from that point forward, you know what what was your response? You know, did you have a website already? Were did you have a yeah. blog followers yeah. or? Yeah, I already had. Uh, you know, I had a pre existing blog, which so there's you know anything like this. Uh, there's always a certain amount of luck that, you know, uh, luck and just being the right place at the right time. Yep. Right. There's a reason why the Beatles were the Beatles and they had to be exactly that age. Right. Yep. <laughs> you know, and they had to be in that place at that time. And if they weren't the Beatles, someone else would have been the Beatles. So, you know, that's one of the, there's a certain, anything like this that happens. There's, there's just a certain amount of luck of timing and, and, and being around. And, and, you know, that just happened for me. Right. I didn't have to set up a website cause I already had a blog. Um, I didn't, you know, I already had radio stuff. And by the way, it probably would not have taken very much impediment in any one of these fronts to have prevented me from doing this entirely, right? I'm pretty, pretty lazy, right? So if I had had to begin setting up a website, I probably wouldn't have, but I already had a blog. And, uh, you know, in those early days of, of podcasting, like those first, you know, let's, you know, the, that big bang era, you know, the first six weeks, yep. almost everybody that it was one of those things where almost everybody that was a podcaster, you know, we were mostly nerds and almost everybody either wrote a, a podcatcher or wrote some kind of publishing tool or some kind of RSS thing, right? I yeah. wrote a plugin 
there was a, a the, like at the time this was either pre WordPress or pre kind of uh, dominance of WordPress. I used a, a Perl script called Blossom, and I wrote a plugin for Blossom that would do podcasting. It would do in it put an enclosure tag in your RSS. Uh, feed right so you know i wrote one of those probably like a week or two weeks into podcasting and you know i published it and so anybody who was using that blogging tool you know in the very early days uh you know was using my plugin right and so there was a lot of that right it, because it was mostly developery i mean those are the, the the people who knew about it and the people who were around were somebody who could do that for right. the most part you know it was very much the kit car era you know, it was it was it was the it was the building the Altair, you know, at the homebrew computer club, right? You know, the, the, the you've already self-selected for the kind of guys who who you know, and it, at that point, I think it was almost entirely guys, uh, you know, to be involved. And it, you know, then then you got the next wave of you know, Libsyn and 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 you kind of creating Blueberry, and and then you got the kind of the second order tools that that made things uh, you know available. To, to the wider masses, you know, but before then it was, I mean, you had to build everything, Yeah, you know? And so, so having stuff I could already plug into was a huge factor. Having a microphone one foot from me was a huge factor. So, you know, and that was all just sheer luck of the draw. And, and if I had not already been a subscriber to Adam Curry's blog, I, you know, I may have been months before I knew that this thing was happening. It just, everything just kind of worked out right that, uh, you know, I happened to be standing at the right place when this happened. You know, I think, you know, I look back at, um, cause I had started a blog and I've always laughed because I told people I was a pretty, pretty shitty blogger. I didn't have many <laughs> people, you know, I, I came from the BBS era and then, you know, converted to a blog and, you know, it was supposed to be a substitute and it was a poor substitute from the interactivity I got from the uh, BBS days. And that's what I was really missing. I was missing that interaction with people. And uh, so, you know, I was on movable type and I, I mm -hmm. there was no, <laughs> yeah, there, you know, it was lucky that they could create an RSS feed at that point. Um, but I think I was hand coding until someone wrote a plugin or a module or something. And then, I was on mobile type for a couple of years before I switched to WordPress by the, you know, and, but it was, uh, yeah, it was tough and it, it was true. The geeky guys and that's why tech shows were so prevalent in the mm -hmm. very, very early days. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, boy, oh boy, it was such, you know, I just, uh, it, it's hard to relay to people the fun that we had and how explosive stuff was. Can you tell me, did you have any idea? You probably did by based on the bandwidth you used. What what how did your audience grow? Was it like was it like a rocket ship? It went pretty it got pretty substantial pretty quickly. Um to the point where now this is I'll, I'll tell you I'll, I'll I'll cut to the chase on this which is I have no idea what my uh, audience is for about 10 years now I've kind of gone out of my way to not look at the numbers because I've just assumed that it would bum me out if I knew I I, I would rather kind of have have, have a, a, a I'd rather pretend that it's whatever it is right. you know <laughs> and then, and then, what are the chances this is going to surprise me in a pleasant way if I actually knew this number so all the stats and everything you provide that's the opposite of what what I want I want plausible <laughs> deniability about, about what I'm doing. That's funny. But, but you know, kind of in the early days, there was a stretch in time where – and this is almost lost to history. You remember the era when practically every podcatcher supported BitTorrent, right? Yeah. And so that was one of my early distribution channels is I would – so out on my server, uh, which I believe was Rack Shack, 
one of those ones. It wasn't Rack Space. I think it was Rack Shack and then became EV1. I had a, a, a box that I already uh, rented. Back in the era when it cost you $100 a month to rent the box, which was a physical box yep. sitting in a Colo facility. Yep. And so that was the other thing. I already had this box and I had full control over the box, right? I had root on it and I could do whatever I wanted. And so I set up a, you know, I had a BitTorrent seed on there uh, on the server. And then I also had one that I running locally. And so that's how I actually published it out to the server is I would start seeding it from my machine and then I would, you know, start it, start the other seed on the server. And so I could tell in the early days, uh, you know, when I published an, uh, an episode, I could see how many copies I had seeded just locally. And, you know, there might be, I might have moved, you know, like on the early ones when I first started doing that, I might move, you know, 100 or 200 from my local machine. And then I might be moving to like 300, 400. And then I could just see the number going up and up and up. And that was the very last time I ever knew anything about the stats. Like once I, once BitTorrent kind of went away, which was basically when uh, iTunes came in and, and killed the third party podcatcher yeah. market, yeah. that basically disappeared almost overnight. And it was such a travesty, too, because I've always said, you know, it was a double-edged sword. You know, uh, Apple iTunes was good for us, but at the same time, it just, it devastated innovation. You know, and, and people have asked me before, why didn't you, why didn't, why doesn't podcast be moved by BitTorrent? I'm like, well, it was. <laughs> it absolutely was. And getting, <laughs> that that going away was, uh, uh, I mean, extremely sad to me. Yeah. Like, when I finally shut that down. And I finally, you know, stopped when I basically got rid of my BitTorrent feed. That was a sad day for me because I used to have I had two feeds. I had a the M, the direct MP3 download, and I had one that would link to the torrents. And for most people, I would I would if you were using you know Juice or you're using GPotter or iPotter X, I wanted people to use the BitTorrent feed. Right. right. And and the the podcatchers had it built in. You know that was the beauty yeah. of it too. And it, it it was so fast. People added some of that functionality you know what's even more crazy is and because i am a stats junkie i go digging deep and we look at uh you know monthly um what uh you know what's moving what we, can you believe it that there's still people using juice and ipotter and some of those I applications absolutely, it's, it's I a, absolutely believe that it's a small number um you know in the hundreds but we do still see that uh you know, someone's probably got themselves a Windows 95 machine running iPodder on it, and they probably got a, uh, you know, old school MP3 uh, player. Yeah. <laughs> may, but, may, they're hooking it to their, you know, a Zune would be modern. They might be hooking it to their Diamond Rio. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it's uh, it just amazes me to see some of those old podcatchers out there, but it, it gives a testament. They're still hammering from 12 years later. You know, it's it's awesome. I want to back up a, a little bit sure. just because because of the nature of your show here is kind of a, like this historical record. Yeah, I want to kind of point to um, the fact that so this is I don't know how much this concept uh, plays outside of sci science fiction circles. But are you familiar with the idea of steam, steam engine time? I am. Do you know what that? Yeah. So I like the, the, the notion that like once everything's in position, somebody's going to invent a thing. And yep. so, you know, somebody's going to invent the radio. If it's not Marconi, it will be somebody else. Yep. And and so it really was like that. Once you got to the early 2000s, it really was steam engine time for this. And if it wasn't exactly what we see now, it was going to be something. Because one of the other reasons why I was primed for uh, what became podcasting is probably for like the two or three years before that, I had one of those uh, CD player iRivers that would play MP3 CDs. And there was a stretch in time where I was um, burning MP3s. There was a uh, was it called maybe Radio Lover something like that. 
there was some sort of um, there was a a uh, Mac program that would capture an MP3 stream and then save it to disk for you. Yep. And it had a timer, and so I was basically it was like an audio DVR, you know. And this was I'm doing this like 2001, 2002 era, and I would save you know Prairie Home Companion and like things I wanted to listen to, and I would save them to uh, MP3 CD. And uh, WREK, the Georgia Tech station, um, they actually published uh, like MP3s you could download. So I didn't have, didn't even have to save the streams for them. I would just download the MP3s and I'd burn these things to CDs and I would listen to them walking around. And that was my portable media prior to the point where you had, you know, you know the whatever the first one was, the 32 meg Diamond Rio, whatever those things were. So you know, I was all prime. I was doing almost all of this except for the RSS and the enclosure, you know, and the you know, the iPod part of that. But it was, you know, in, in, in effectively, in user experience, I was already doing this even before podcasting. You know what I mean? Right. So it was, it was time. This was going to happen. And like I said, it was, it was just luck of where I was standing that I happened to be involved early. But if it had been some other mechanism, somebody was going to do something a lot like this right around that time because all the pieces are there, right? Portable media is now a thing and it's a consumer thing and bandwidth is, is getting cheaper. And, you know, it was, it was every, all the, all the pieces were, were there for this to happen. You know, I'm, I'm holding my hands right now, um, a little device. It was, it's just basically, you know, you alluded to it, the iRiver mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, this was the first device I was using to, sync media kind of the same mm-hmm. way and it was you know it, it, i had this before podcasting really kicked off and it was pretty painful and and it didn't hold a lot you know you know people we think about what we have today for storage and you know when when i tell people well you kind of had to pick the two or three yes the two or three shows you wanted to listen to because that's all the stupid device would hold you know it it uh, it didn't hold nothing uh well actually this one was 256 meg so it was I must have spent big bucks on this thing, but, uh, you know, that would hold what two or three episodes. Maybe if someone was recording at 32 eggs, uh, mm-hmm. or, th- or 32 K, um, not even 64 K. Oh my God. Recorded 64 K. Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, it is, you know, and, and I think about it, and I keep this on the shelf as a kind of a reminder of where we were and where we've come. And, you know, and, and I have like to preface this too. There was no, iPhone then there mm-hmm. was no you know we didn't have uh when we went out mobile there was no broadband you know it was like you you had text but you really didn't have you know maybe the rudimentary starts to some data services but it was sync or, or sync or uh, sync s-y-n-c or sync s-i-n-k you know you just there was no <laughs> <laughs> there was no way around it Mm-hmm. But you're right. It, it, it something would have happened. But I, I think too, going back and thinking, when when I when I heard the concept of podcast on what was being done and like Al, you know Adam having writing the Apple script, I was like, oh my god! And then you're, I think my brain exploded. I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, why haven't we been doing this already? You know, it was so natural for it to happen. You're right. If it wasn't Adam, it would have been someone else. Yeah, absolutely. See, and right around, uh, right around the same time that all this was happening, uh, you remember that that's about the time that Air America went online. True. And I remember them uh, doing some kind of 
they they were they did some kind of slamming down on people who were like rebroadcasting on the internet and they they did not have any kind of official presence right so now it, it's you know it would just be obligatory if you're any kind of broadcast anything you would have some sort of stream but in fact they they viewed the stream as kind of cannibalizing their product and so people were doing these bootleg you know, like offering downloads and Air America was like cease and desisting them and i was like Dudes, you should hire them and make this official <laughs> and put this on your webpage. They're they're doing you a favor. Air America was on, you know, sh shitty fourth tier, uh, you know, radio AM stations in in whatever markets they could get. I'm like, you're, they're doing nothing but helping you. And I and it's uh, and there was a lot. And you think about that time frame. You know, it was all about control of the media. And that was what made us all like, yeah, screw the man. You know, we can we can do what we want to do. We don't have to go through some process to be online or go through some, you know, we build our station right on our sites and we just basically give everyone the double shotgun, the bird mm -hmm. and, and we're up and running. <laughs> you know, and that was and, and if, if the uh, I wonder if anyone in the traditional media space at the time were like, oh, man, this is not good. Um I, I don't know. I'd like to hear some people's thoughts back in the early days that maybe kind of poo-pooed us initially, but also in the back of their mind had some oh, reservations. I can, I can name a name. I remember very clearly uh, on the Gilmore gang that he had a guy and uh, his name was Mike Vizard. And oh, I forget what he was. He was one of the columnists. That was kind of the Gilmore gang was was heavily populated with, you know, people who would be tech columnists around the around you know CNET and places like that. And I remember him saying there will never be a there will never be a popular podcast for the same reason there are no hit shows on CB radio. That quote really <laughs> stuck out. I was like, "Oh my god, that is so wrong-headed." And, and you know, luckily uh history has kind of <laughs> put the lie to that. But I remember that that being uh, uh an attitude that yeah. people had and it tended to be somebody who already was like an incumbent who had access to the media in some form or another tended to feel that way whereas most people didn't have you know the the freedom of the press applies to the people who own a press that's right <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so so uh you know the the to, to me there was always a political there is still a political aspect to this is for the just what you were saying is that you know it says a certain amount of the uh you know uh you know, you're in New York City in 76 and you got some distorted guitars and what can we do with this? And the housing market's crashing. So we got giant lofts in midtown Manhattan because it's a shithole that no one wants to live in. And uh, so you create punk rock because that's what you have. Again, same thing. It was, you know, steam engine time for punk rock in, you know, 75. And, uh, you know, to me, it, it's it's a similar impulse, right? It's, it's we have this thing. What can we do with it? And so, you know, I've always I've always felt you know, th th and that's part of the the sadness of BitTorrent going away. Is that was you know that was a blow against the democratization, right? It, it's true. It increased the cost of, of getting in. You know, and you, you go back and look at some of the detractors out there. There was a lot of naysayers, including Steve Jobs. Remember the keynote he did, and he talked about podcasters being you know amateur hour. You know, mm -hmm. th there was a, and you know, I think the podcasting community was like, what? And, you know, it was, it was a, <laughs> it was a big discussion point for a while, but it also made people a little bit distrustworthy of Avo in the beginning thinking, okay, are they going to pull the plug on this thing? And, you know, obviously they didn't because, you know, to be honest with you, um, at the time, I think Apple probably should have give shares to a lot of podcasters because we were responsible for one incredible number of iPods being sold. Um, mm -hmm. 
there were a lot of people buying iPods just to listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it was, uh, you know, and, and, and everyone wanted one. You know, that was another thing, too. If you were a cool kid on the block, you had an iPod, you know. So I, I've got my first iPod on the shelf, too, as kind of that reminder of that time. Um, and, you know, you people think about it, and it's it's actually got a hard drive in it. <laughs> you know, it's not even a memory storage. You, you, you carry it around, you could hear the, the hard drive clicking, so... The uh, w- when they did that, uh, like the one more thing, uh, podcasting release, your your logo was up there, right? When they had that, that kind of the you know, they had the grid of I don't know, there was like 40 or so logos. You were, I re- thought I remember you were you yeah. being up there. I think Butler was up there, yeah. I think I was up there. Um, and I think didn't like Don and Drew get like a specific shout out. I, mean, I think that maybe they got mentioned yeah. like by name, by jobs in that speech. Yeah. And you know what was in, more interesting about that time period, and this is just kind of an oh, by the way, um, I had I wasn't a big Mac fan in the early days. I, I Today I use both Mac and PCs, but I was um, literally talking shit on my show about something <laughs> that had come out with Mac. And I'm like, if I could just have 15 minutes to talk to Steve Jobs, uh-huh. I would really tell in like, Three days later, he calls me. I, I I got 15 minutes on the phone with Steve Jobs and little old, you know, you know, dumb podcaster Todd telling Steve Jobs what he thinks about the Mac. Um, that was so he was listening, which or one of his people were listening and told him, "Hey, this guy's talking smack, and he wants to talk to you." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I talked to the guy for 15 minutes on the phone, and and I, it was. You know, how do you talk smack to Steve Jobs when he calls you on the phone? You can't really, you know, but, you know, you're all tough talking in a podcast. But we did talk about some of the concern I had on where Mac was going. And I don't know if it ever made a difference, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm using Macs today. And probably largely because he, you know, he took the actual time and called a customer, which, you know, I don't know if too many people can say they talked to Steve Jobs because they talked about him in the podcast or not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's uh I, I did not know that story that's actually super cool yeah he's like if I, I was actually on uh here in hawaii i was on h3 coming out of the tunnel my phone rang and um i answered said hello and he says todd steve jobs and i said you're shitting me <laughs> <laughs> and you know i pulled over to the side and i was like i was i was astounded that this guy would actually call but anyway that that was a long, long, long time ago. That was pre-Intel. And the only reason I can remember it was the first Mac I bought had an Intel chip in it. So it was mm-hmm. pre-Intel chip Mac. But um, And I, to be honest with you, it's all blur what we talked about. But the, you know, just the simple fact when they came in July of 2005 and opened uh, iTunes to podcasting, you know, that was a huge boost for us numbers-wise. But I often wonder what would have been if they had not done that. Have you thought about that? I, absolutely, I do. So kind of in that alternate reality scenario, I kind of think, so do you, you remember how kind of, uh, it was almost like a kamikaze mission. People had this notion that you had to grow as fast as possible. Yeah. And I never understood what people were in such a hurry for. <laughs> you know, the whole economic model is that it costs us almost nothing to publish this show so we can do whatever we want. Right. To, to me, the, the lesson was always, uh, you know, and I learned this when I was doing that syndicated show. 
that if you keep your production costs low, you can do whatever the hell you want. Yep. <laughs> Which is, by the way, Louis C.K. on his, you know, his show, he learned exactly that. If you do it, if you can do the show cheap, cheap, you can do exactly what you want because no, all the people care about is how, what, what do you bring us in under budget? Mm -hmm. And so, but suppose iTunes didn't happen and we had a slower build, you know, so you didn't have, it, it maybe would have let people, uh, it would have let things kind of mature um, with less of a crucible. It would have uh, kind of let us, you know, we could have continued to have that third party market for podcatchers. We could have had, you know, a re so it, what's funny is now, you know, now that uh, phones have come around, we've basically rebuilt that in, you know, iOS and Android, <laughs> the same market that we had before, right? That's right. Where, but instead of iPod or X, it's now, you know, Beyond Pod and, you know, Dog Catcher and, yep. and Pocket Cast and things like that. Right. But, uh, you know, so, you know, maybe we would have, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how it would have turned out, but, you know, that was that, you know, and, and uh, Podjo had uh, a, a lot to do with this, this whole notion that the thing you want to do is to turn this thing into a money printing machine as soon as possible. <laughs> And, you know, that was, I think, a harmful, uh, a harmful way to look at things. And I think that, you know, it caused some damage. And uh, if we had had less of that early on and we had had less of a pressure cooker, you know, I, some of the things that I miss. Do you remember Podcat? Remember oh, that crazy show? Man, I don't was, remember that one. It was a guy he would take. And this was again, this was I remember listening to this on the plane going to BloggerCon 3 in uh, Stanford. So that would have been what November 2004. And uh it, he would take excerpts of shows and kind of put them together and he used this cat meowing and this cat growling <laughs> sound effect to to cover the transitions from one thing. And it, it would just be excerpts of podcasts that had been published in the you know the last couple of days. And it was bizarre and it was weird. And uh I I kind of missed this era of just weird experimentation, you know? The the the, the kind of the uh the the, you know the Madge Weinstein's of right. uh, you know of the world. It's like I I, I wish we had you know a hundred times the Madge Weinstein's. I don't necessarily want to listen to them. I just want them all to exist, and I want the crazy experimentation, which is I think something you know that that is lacking today. That uh, you know that was in spades. People were doing weird stuff, and yeah. and uh, some of it stuck, and almost you know very little of it stuck. But that's the nature of crazy experimentation, right? You need, you need uh, a bunch of weird performance artists. You know that for every Andy Kaufman, there's a thousand people do doing stuff that's unwatchable. But you know, you you got to do that to get the Andy Kaufman. You know, Madge's stuff is was just over the top, and uh, <laughs> you know she's on the bucket list to be interviewed for this show. But can you imagine Madge doing her show today? I think she would be more successful than she was before. She she was a force of nature and just that show was batshit crazy <laughs> I, I don't know is, is that show uh is that show gone because i've I, heard I it within the last oh really three years oh well maybe it's, it's three or four years it might it might still exist in some form yeah maybe it she, was very political the like the thing oh, that i was listening yeah. to was some <laughs> I, it was it was all about one of the trade deals <laughs> i listened to like a 45 minute show of Madge talking to a, a friend about how bad one of these trade deals were. I was like, I didn't, I barely followed it, but I was just, uh, I was just along for the ride. I'm like, I'm just going to hang on and, and see, see where this takes me. And it was kind of exactly what you would expect from, you know, 10 years, uh, you know, 10 years on. Right. Uh, so, but I think too, we've had, uh, you know, what really drives me crazy now 
in, in the spaces. There's all these folks that say, oh, you have to have, here's, here's the formula. And, and I laugh about the formula because um, the formula is very simple. Um, sustain superior content over a long period of time. And that's the, that's the formula you have to, maybe not even sustain superior content, just content over a long period of time, consistent, um, mm-hmm. getting it out there, getting the message, improving your trade. You know, there's all these things. Oh, you got to launch with three shows and you got to be in new and noteworthy. And I just want to like, you know, there was no new and noteworthy when we started. We, you know, we had to do this ourselves and build audiences and do it. You know, we were early. Let's be honest. We had a, we had a, an advantage, but at the same time, um, to, you know, for you doing a show today, you know, the, le- the, the playing field is equalized for everyone and uh, you have to work as just hard as your show today as anyone else. But it, it's the, the sus- long-term sustainment is what is in number one, uh, for monetization is, you know, I, I wasn't able to monetize in the very beginning and not very much when I initially started, but now, you know, I support my family with my show. So it's, you know, it, it took time to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had a graph. I should probably do that someday of, you know, how long it's taken to get from point A to point B here over 12 years. But, uh, you know, you still monetize your show. So it, I know you use Patreon and a variety of stuff. How's that working for you today? You know, I, I, I make probably more than is reasonable for me to make <laughs> via Patreon. But I was so I had the Patreon for about a year and a half. Theoretically, uh, God love him. Dave Hamilton of Backbeat Media, you know, and Mac Geek Gab uh, is still I, I am technically still a, a property of that of Backbeat Media. Like you could go and 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 get an ad insertion via Backbeat Media. It hasn't actually happened in some time. But uh, as far as I know, you could still do that if you wanted to. And and so I made money that way. Um, I made money. I made money selling T-shirts and CDs. Yep. Uh, you know, and Lifetime. Oh, I've got to be, you know, if you consider that probably at least 90 percent of podcasters never make a single nickel from any source, you know, got to just like automatically having made a nickel. That's got to put me in, you know, the top 10 percentile. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I've never come anywhere close to, uh, you know, it's never come anywhere close to a day job, but it's been, uh, at least, uh, meeting the costs almost the entire time. Right. You know, I don't, I, I, I'm not eating, you know, server costs or anything like that. Right. Um, but the, the Patreon, so I started the Patreon like a year and a half ago and I was actually, uh, for as little as I care about most of the stuff. And, and let's be honest, I really squandered a lot of first mover advantage, right? I, if if my desire was to have been uh, popular, I did practically everything wrong. <laughs> you know, I didn't do any of the stuff that would have that would have, uh, you know, if that had been my goal. You know, I was I was uh, could not have gone about it worse. But so when it came time to do Patreon, I was actually nervous about it in a way I w- was very seldom nervous because what I really didn't want to do um, was have one of these like completely embarrassing campaigns where you put it up and there, there's actually a guy. And I will not, I won't name him, but this guy, I, I had checked out his podcast and he had a Patreon and I went and looked and he had uh, two patrons that were making, I think a total of, I think the total pledge was $6, he had like a $1 and a $5 a month <laughs> patron. And it was making $6 a month and I thought, oh geez. And, and I actually checked on that guy recently and he now has zero patrons. He's making $0 a month <laughs> and he wasn't doing a bad show. I don't, right. just don't know what the deal was. And I thought, I just don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to look like a putz yep. for having done this. And so I actually had everything ready to go probably for a couple weeks before I pressed that button. 
And uh, I finally did it. And then I had, you know, within, oh God, within 24 hours, I crossed the threshold of embarrassment. Right. So I thought, okay, now I just don't look like an idiot for having done this. Because I was actually prepared to undo it. It's like, all right, if this is, you know, if a month in, this just looks untenable, I'm just going to scrap the thing, give everyone their money back, and we'll be fine. And, uh, but uh, it, it actually, um, and I don't have a huge, like, I don't have a huge number of patrons, but uh, the amount of money I make, uh, you know, is well in excess of my, of my costs. Right. And, you know, to the point where, uh, you know, I gave everybody, I gave people extra, um, extra stuff, extra collateral last year. Cause I just had a little extra, I had extra money over what I needed. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I sent everybody t-shirts, you know, whether or not they were in a t-shirt tier and, uh, you know, so I, you know, in the, I'm in the thirties of patrons, right. And I make, you know, 50 some dollars a show, which is, you know, again, you're not going to make, you know, you're not going to set any world records that way, right. but that's way more than it cost me to produce a show. Right. And uh, so I'm extremely happy. I mean, I, I sometimes feel bad <laughs> because let's be honest, I, I, you know, I have a good job, right? I don't necessarily need this money. Yep. Um, and so sometimes there's a little bit of a, I don't know what you call it, maybe kind of akin to survivor's guilt. Like, am I sucking money out of the system um, when I don't need it? Like, w- but then I kind of decided that I can't really, can't really think that way. It's not completely fungible, right? It's not, you know, it, it's people, people that, in a certain way, uh, like when I was a teenager, people would offer me like rides and offer me help and things like that. And I would turn them down because I was too punk and too too much of a loner to ever accept anyone's help, right? And somewhere along the line, I learned that like letting people give me a ride, even if I could walk, uh, was kind of like a little bit of a favor. And it kind of it, it you know it it deepened a bond with this person. And it's almost like the same thing is giving people you know the, the whole shut up and take my money like giving people an opportunity to support it even at a, like a really low level and I have you know I have twenty five cent an episode patrons and I'm delighted to have them right and uh, it, just giving people an opportunity to be involved uh, makes them happier. I mean there are shows that I wish had uh, uh, Patreon accounts that I would support. I would be happy to support them, uh, and they don't. You know, so it, to me, it actually kind of makes me happy to support the shows that I like to give a little something back. So, uh, you know, I just decided it's not it's less about the money and more about the relationship, you know. And to me, I think you nailed something right there. The relationship I have with my audience and I call my audience the Ohana. I call in here in Hawaii. Ohana means family. I call them my family. You know, mm-hmm. we've been my God. A lot of the listeners have been there since episode one. You know, they'll listen to my voice for 1,150 episodes. <laughs> you know, they need a medal, you know, come on. <laughs> or, or, you know, something, you know, something. They almost need to be compensated. Um, but what I, you know, I, I think what I found too, as far as support goes, um, you know, having taken a sponsor so early on and having the sponsor even today, um, the. The Patreon slash, and I call them insiders, the folks that contribute to the show. Um, the insider support, if, you know, I always laugh that if I had gotten, or if I would get just, you know, like two bucks a month from every listener, I could hire, hire like three people. You know, I, I could have a staff, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but because I had this model of um, uh, having a sponsor, I think I trained my audience. Hey, he doesn't need our money. You know, the sponsor's paying for him to do the show. So, and, and I accept that. That's that's all cool. That's the that's the route I went down, and I wouldn't be where I am today without the sponsor. Believe me. So, it's um, you know, there there are trade offs. So, 
I, I think sometimes uh, now it's all about how you come across your audience in the in the early days. I'm glad you're doing good with the with the Patreon. That uh, you know cover costs. I think that's always great. Or you even have enough money left over to take the wife out to dinner or make a house payment or a car payment. That's always that's always bonus. Yeah, it's what, like um, when uh, so I, I started doing the show with Michael Butler like about a year ago. I guess we're getting probably close to our one year anniversary. And, uh, you know, one of the nice things is, you know, we we do a live stream and uh, we were using Blab IM from the very beginning. Yep. We, we can't use a Google Hangout because we play music we don't have <laughs> licenses to. Right. And we can't have content IDs uh, shutting us down. So we went to Blab partly because it was uh, – you know, enough of a startup project that there was no, nothing like that. Yeah. So we could play music and it would be fine. And then when Blab went under, we had to kind of look for alternatives and, uh, we ended up going, the place we went to, uh, we could get an embed, but it cost a hundred bucks. And, uh, one of the nice things about Patreon is I did not think twice. I'm like, all right, I got this pool of money. I'm just going to pay the hundred bucks out of it and we can get the embed and it may not, we may not even stick with this forever. I don't have to sweat the hundred bucks and, you know, worry that much. So, you know, it, it kind of makes, you know, I mean, when you have money, it's not like you don't have problems, but you don't have money problems. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you got a, a shitload of problems, but, you know, uh, how am I going to, you know, can I get my car towed? And what am I going to do for that? You know, I, I don't have money to rent a car for the next three days. What am I going to do? Those kinds of problems go away, you know. And so you kind of move on to a higher class of problem. And so it's kind of that way. I still have problems in the podcast world, but, you know, money problems are not them. So you can, you can focus on kind of a better class of problem. and. Yeah. uh you know, so so if Mad at Dad needs something, I just take Evil Genius <laughs> Patreon money and just throw it at that, and, and vice versa. If I need, you know, my my uh, beloved Morant died, and you know, I didn't think twice about buying something else, right? So one thing that I asked Michael was, uh, "Hey, Michael, do you remember any like juicy stories from the past?" He says, "Oh man, I'm gonna have to be at my deathbed before I can talk about some of the stuff that uh, happened <laughs> over at Pod Show, because he's worried about <laughs> getting sued by Ron." So, Dave, do you, you know, you don't have to out anybody or anything like that, but do you remember, do you have any, like, juicy stories from the beginning that were like, oh, my God, he could, I couldn't believe he did that, or, oh, my goodness, why did they do that? Do you remember anything like that that was, like, one of those moments that either pissed you off or, like, was total a total surprise moment for you from the early um, days? Well, I had a few of them. So, so like, the, the uh one of the weirdest, <laughs> most bizarre ones involves you and me, right? It was, uh, do you remember me wandering one of your parties without my pants? <laughs> you know, we had a lot of people with. Uh... <laughs> it had been the second one because I had I had been I had been doing Amigo Fish. So I had launched Amigo Fish, you know, which was I, I, I actually sold the site you know, five or six years ago, but it was a, like a collaborative filter. And it was another one of those things that if it had held on like into the mobile era, I might, you know, might have actually made something of it, but it was, it was kind of a boat anchor and I was actually happy to, uh, unload it when I did. But so I had just launched it at that second, like right before that second podcast expo. And you remember that guy, Kevin, that was doing the uh, body painting. Oh yeah. Party? Uh, so I asked him, it was like the, the, the party had pretty much wound down. There's like maybe 10 of us still there. And I was like, Hey Kevin, uh, I understand you're a dude and I'm a dirt dude. Would it be weird if I had you and I showed him the the logo? I was like, "What if you painted that on my ass? Is that gonna be too weird for you?" And he's like, "No, not at all." So I drop my pants and he paints the Amigo Fish logo <laughs> on my ass, and then I just don't put my pants back on. And I'm wandering your party for probably the next 
half an hour with no pants on. <laughs> I think we have uh, some <laughs> some stories from those parties that I've asked a couple people to come on the show and they won't because they know <laughs> they know I know the stories and I you know I already I already promised them I promise I won't talk about you know the bathroom incident or you know there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened um, at those early parties and you know the hotel sinking back. The hotel, you remember how many people we'd have in that room? We'd have, you know, 200 people in a room that was supposed to hold 10. And, uh, oh, my God, it was. uh... Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, like, in in terms of, like, uh, in terms of, like, uh, fun moments. So that's, that's, I don't have too many salacious moments, right? Because I was not, you know, I was always kind of physically, uh, you know, isolated, right? I'm, I'm, you know, way out here in South Carolina the whole time, the whole podcast era, right? So right. I, I was never around anything the, the way that Butler would have been around, uh, you know, the media. Yeah, people. yeah. But, you know, so I had moments like the when Adam Curry mentioned me on the show or Steve Gilmore or somebody like that would mention me by name. Uh, that was always like a big kick. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and um, I'll tell you one of the, like, one of the, the friendships Although I haven't talked to him in a while, I, I still kind of consider him my friend, and I, I, I reach out every now and then. Uh, is Tony Khan? Tony Khan deserves a lot of credit for um, for basically being the person who shepherded podcasting into the world of public radio, hmm. right? because he he um, oh Christ, I'm I'm old and I'm forgetting, but he he worked for the big uh, Boston um, public radio station, which is the same one when you see all those. It's the same one that uh, does like Zoom and Electric Company and all. <laughs> you, you see their logo every time I I, I, I can rem- – oh, Christ, I have to look it up. But So he he worked for that, and he did his morning stories on, you know, on terrestrial radio for that, for that thing. And then he uh, basically got the first public radio uh, podcast feed up, which was for his morning stories uh, show. And, uh, you know, he got the tech guys to do it. And it was basically a skunk works project <laughs> that he asked for, you know, forgiveness later. He didn't really ask for permission. He just asked for forgiveness. And, uh, I talked to him about that and he said he, what he wanted to do was he wanted to show the public radio world that they had nothing to be scared of. You right. know, going back to what we we're talking about half an hour ago that, uh, you know, that this is a thing that you can make work for you. And, uh, you know, so it was important to him to kind of set the tone of that. And so, uh, I think he's kind of lost to history, but Tony is like a hero of that. You know, uh, this American Life wouldn't be one of the biggest podcasts, you know, minus Tony. Right? Tony set the stage for all of that. He 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 laid the groundwork for that. Well, I just added him to the list. See, I didn't know that. That's a yeah. that's a good story. That's and you look and I talk with the radio in present day. Talk to radio guys, you know, every week, and mm-hmm. it's it's sad. How many of them just don't get it? They still today. I mean, they are completely in denial. There's some. There's some radio stations are progressive and they're moving forward and they've got good uh, media plans for the podcasting space. But the the large majority of them are very like, eh, it's just a thing, you know. It's it's the the role. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, dude, you 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 are you are on the road to being extinct. And it, you know, let's be honest, radio's not going to go away anytime soon. But they've got huge debt, huge challenges ahead. And, you know, if you guys like Tony, if people had to listen to him, they'd have been a lot further along. And, well, the, you know, the NPRs obviously have taken advantage of it. Um, and look at all the spinoffs from, from those folks coming out of NPR that has built all these mega house companies now out of uh, 
out of New York. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But you know, I've never been a big NPR fan myself, particularly the, the style of content they've done. But I've been more of the liking to listen to the guy that's, you know, out of his basement like you and, you know, people that are, you know, just doing this because they can. I That's what always has excited me about this space and what continues to throw me about this space. And where do you think we're going to head? I know we only got about seven minutes before you got to go, but where, where do you think the space is going? Well, I'll tell you. So uh, let me s throw out there like my canonical example of what podcasting means to me. And it's a show called The Flashback Podcast. And it is a podcast like two guys, a guy and his brother-in-law that I think based on their accent, I think the guys may be from the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania. I don't actually even know. And these guys, every issue of the Flash comic book that comes out from DC, they cover this thing. <laughs> and they used to go panel by panel and page by page. They, don't, they give more of a high-level overview, but they talk about basically the Flash comic book and nothing but the Flash comic book and then maybe the Flash TV and you know, TV show. And I don't know how big their listenership is, probably in the hundreds, maybe the low hundreds. I don't know, maybe 400. I don't know what it is. But let me tell you, I listen to that show and that's exactly what I want. <laughs> Right? When I tune in, it it I'm one of not a huge number of people, but it really, really scratches an itch for me that it scratches extremely well. And so to me, that's that's always been the value of the medium, right? You don't need they it doesn't require three hundred thousand listeners for them to make that show viable. Right. It it requires a, a hundred. If they had twenty, that would probably have been more than enough for them to, you know, do what they want to do. And I love to listen to it. I, I listen to the thing. And I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to hear them cover in excruciating detail the Flash comic book. I read the Flash comic book. I like it. I, I like the Flash TV show. You know, I want. I want to hear them talk about it. So you know, the, the, to me, I don't know what will happen. What I hope happens is that there's always a room for stuff like that. I hope that uh, you know when I was talking about the crazy experimentation. I hope. Yeah. I. I don't. When people. It was a thing people would say uh, – they probably said it the whole 12 years of this thing. That there are too many podcasts, right? To my mind, there's, there, there's never too many. It's impossible. <laughs> if, you're, if you're saying there's more than you can listen to, absolutely. But as long as you, as long as you have uh, something that's occupying your time every minute you want occupied, you win. You succeeded in exactly what you need to do. Who cares if you didn't listen to every minute of every show that exists? Who cares? Just as as long as you kept yourself uh, entertained and enthused and you know enlightened, then then you got everybody won out of that deal. You know the people who published it won. You won for listening. It, it's that's the system at work. And so, to my mind, if there were ten times as many shows, then there's that much better chance that I'll find another one of those niche shows that's exactly what I want to hear at exactly the right time. So. More, more. There can never be too many. You know, and I, <clears throat> excuse me, I've, uh, for about the past 18 months, I've been saying this thing, saying that people really can been rolling their eyes on, but I keep saying, you know, when the Revolutionary War, it was the British are coming, the British are coming, you know, that was Paul Revere making the call. Well, Todd's uh, battle cry is the suits are coming, the suits are coming, you know, the suits are coming. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've been involved uh, as a company in, in a, a bit of a battle, um, you know, over a, a variety of things, um, really trying to protect the space as much as we can uh, from the suits. And, and you know, I, I, I have one suit, so I guess I wear a suit too. But and everyone has an agenda. But I, 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 I'm really about making sure that, just as you said, the independent podcasters have a chance to have a voice, and and, and no one is going to take that away from any of us, no matter what. 
the big companies are going to come in and create these mega productions. They're going to do a hundred thousand listeners per episode. And they're, you know, they're, they're going to be in the news in New York times, but really the meat of this space is right down again to just like that, that, uh, those guys that create that comic book podcast, they can do it because no one's, there's no way for anyone to say you can't. Um, I had went to a um, convention a few years ago and asked the guy, I was, you know, was trying to get a, into cable trying to get podcasting into cable kind of what current did you know they actually did it and got some uh, podcast on current but i or true tv or one of those stations and and i asked the cable guy so what's it going to take for me to get a channel in cable what's it you know well you're gonna have to go to each individual market you're gonna have to talk to each cable writer it's gonna be millions and millions of dollars and and i'm thinking to myself screw this guy and that's this whole (laughs) idea that i just had in my head that was i was stupid to even think that I could even do that. So I was just like, yeah, we don't need them. We've got RSS. We're good. No one can take that away from us. Uh, even if iTunes goes away from podcasting, we, we know we're not, we're not impacted. This thing continues to roll. And I, that's kind of my, you know, my battle cry is to, it, people still can, and we, we shouldn't have to worry about the radio people too much, but they are trying to influence the space. And um, we want to make sure that it's influenced and inclusive. Yeah, I do uh, an amazing job of uh, blocking out <laughs> what, I, what I don't care about. Like, I've never I, – I actually refuse to believe that Serial was the biggest podcast long after it was clear to everyone but me that it was because I it had no interaction with my life, right? right. I, I, didn't, I didn't run across it except in articles saying it's the most, uh, you know, the most popular podcast ever. And like – but I've never heard anyone talk about it. I've never listened to an episode. I've never run across anything other than the stories about how popular it was. So, you know, I just don't, I mean, there's so much room for all of that stuff. Yep. You know, I, I listened to a couple mega, you know, I listened to Penn Sunday school and, you know, I listened to comic book noise, right? <laughs> I listen to stuff that have 300,000 subscribers and stuff that have 300 subscribers. And all, all that I care about is that I find things that, you know, like I was saying, that, that scratch the itch I have. It's all I care about. And all I care about, you know, in publishing is hopefully, and I know from the, like the patrons and I know from the feedback I get that I'm scratching people's itch. Right. And so, uh, at one of the, uh, I I was positing, I think that when I spoke at that second podcast expo, I was positing that you flip the question, uh, on its head, which is not how many listeners does it take to be a success? Right. And that's kind of the question. A lot of times, you know, it's kind of the question you're alluding to is, is that that's what the suits want to know. How many listeners does it take to make you a big success? I said, think about it the other way. How few would it take to make you stop? Which is kind of the other thing you were thinking about. <laughs> and, uh, in my mind that I, I got that number, which is zero, right? I could, I could be doing exactly the same show with literally no listeners and I would still do it because I find value, uh, in standing in front of this mic and, and, having to put my thoughts into a linear form for 45 minutes, you know, it, it's worth it to me. And by the way, my day job now, uh, the skill set, you know, I'm a, I produce content to help developers, uh, develop with our product and the skill set that I got, I got from podcasting. Right. So in a weird roundabout way, uh, you know, I did make podcasting my day job. It's just, uh, I did it through a company, right. As opposed to being an indie, but, but my skill set as a podcaster is exactly what I use to make my living now. It's just that I'm not doing it as a podcaster. Right. Dave, I know we're at a hard stop here. Why don't you give people your contact information and where they can find you? <laughs> All right. Uh, evil is the website. 
And if you want to email me, Dave at EvilGeniusChronicles.org. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute blast. And by the way, since you are working with developers, I am hiring. So send them over my way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and uh, let people know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, thanks so much. And I, I almost feel like we could talk for another hour, but uh, definitely appreciate you being on. And uh, thank you for everything that you've done in the podcasting space. And, um, and keep cranking, keep doing the shows. Uh, same to you, brother. All right, everyone. This has been Podcast Legends. My name is Todd Cochran. You can reach me at geeknews at gmail.com or on Twitter at geeknews. We'll see you on the next episode of the Podcast Legends.